somebody. Amen? Are you guys used to worship like that? Are the visitors, you okay? You feel at home? All right, just making sure. If you didn't, you can still feel at home. You just loosen up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, sir. Hey, who enjoyed that word last week Pastor Alex gave? Come on, man. So proud of you. It was awesome, man. Awesome. Word on obedience. If you weren't here last week, go online, EncounterLV.com to media and listen to the word last week. It was about a life of obedience, and it was awesome. A lot of people got ministered to at the end. You can always tell when a word is good, just seeing the effect that it has on people's hearts and, uh, and just the manifest presence of God. And the altar ministry was just incredible. And, and Pastor Alex is praying over people. Our team is praying over people. And they're just weeping and just being touched by the love of God. And uh, I'm, I love that. That's, that's what I want. I just want to see people touched by the love of God. My whole life, that's what I will live for, is to see people just touched and infected with the love of God. Did you say infect? I did. Because his love is so infectious. I mean, one life touched by the love of God can change the world. One heart, one life. And uh, I'm just, I'm so, I'm excited about this morning. Um, I'm just excited. And it's so cool. So, um, praise the Lord. Well, open your Bibles to John chapter 6. And let's, let me preach to you. Let me preach to you this morning on this story of the feeding of the 5,000. I want to talk about an explosion of love and the spirit of generosity. God has a generous spirit. Psalm 51. God is so generous that when he created the world, when he spoke and said, let there be light, science calls it the Big Bang Theory. But there was so much life in his voice when he said, let there be light that the universe is still expanding right now under the generosity of the power of his voice. He's, he's a life giver. He is, he, he just, he's such a life giving being. Every time he speaks, there's so much life and, and breath in his voice. And we are created in his image and we are called to be generous. We are called to be givers. We are called to be encouragers. And I want to encourage you this morning we're, we've been talking about an explosion of God's love in Acts chapter 4 as the church is, is just being, uh, being who they're called to be, which is to change the culture of cities. And, and the church in Acts 4, read Acts chapter 4 when you get time and just see the explosion of God's love and grace um, in the early church. And in verse 32, it says, "...they didn't even claim ownership over their own possessions." No one said, that's mine. You can't have it. They shared everything. And I believe God wants to teach us how to share. There's something about a young child that they have this instinct that is unhealthy of not wanting to share their toys. I have four kids and they have tons of toys. We have to throw the old ones away or give them away unless they're broken or something. But for some reason, they will fight over one toy that's not even a cool toy. And they don't like to share. And that's just this instinct. I think as church people, we've got, as, as saved believers, we've got to learn generosity. We've got to learn how to share. And one of the manifestations of the Spirit of God moving in a community is generosity. And I want to I share uh, with you on this first point. In this story, you see in the feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6, you see that 
they're, they're following Jesus. A huge crowd, thousands of people are following Jesus in the desert because they saw the signs that he did. And they follow him to a place, and then Jesus basically says to Philip, uh, where are we going to get some bread that these people may eat? And he was actually testing him. And then someone said, well, there's this young kid here. He's got five loaves and two fish but I don't think that's going to be enough. And the first thing I want to share with you this morning is you have something to give. Can you just say that out loud? Say, I have something to give. You see, what the enemy would like to do is get you to focus on what you seem to be lacking or what you don't have as far as resources instead of you understanding who you are in God and the substance of what you give. And as you give your resources, God multiplies it with his resources to feed the multitudes. And I want to share with you out of Haggai 1.6, because I want to break the spirit of lack. I want to break the spirit of poverty. And I'm not just talking about not having finances. I'm talking about soul poverty. I'm talking about spiritual poverty. I want to break the spirit of lack and poverty with, to see a spirit of generosity explode. How many are with me on that? How many know that there's no lack with God? Actually, if, if, if we try to, if we're focused on lack, it will literally nullify the value system that God has created. There, it, it doesn't determine God's value system. Are you hearing me this morning? There's no lack in God. He is an abundant God. And in Haggai 1.6, it says, You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You shrink, or I'm sorry, you shrink. You drink, but are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. He who earns wages, earns wages to put in a bag with holes. How many ever feel like that? Like my, I'm, I'm earning money and it's just going right through me. We need to break the spirit of poverty and break the spirit of lack and understand that we have something to give because God has a whole new way of doing things. In this story in John 6, you see uh, there's, a, there's a famine. I mean, they're literally in a situation where, well, we don't have food to feed these people. We're in the middle of nowhere. But how many know God has a plan? Say God has a plan. And the part that I want to focus on as we as we just encourage you that you have something to give, is this part in Haggai 1.6 that says, we earn wages and we put into a bag with holes. How many know that God wants to replace our bag? I want you to take it back all the way to 1965 and show us how it's done. This is a hit! Never tell me that I don't have rhythm. You you should see me at a wedding. Give me a handkerchief now. Woo, come on. Don't try to stop me. Listen, listen, listen. Papa's got a brand new bag. Come on, somebody. Say, Papa's got a brand new bag. Isn't that cute? That is so cute. I just had to do that. If the focus is lack, poverty will always reign. We have to understand God's value system is not determined by lack. And in this story, they, they're looking at this young boy. I love it that it's a young boy. A young boy comes and, and they're saying, this little guy has, you know, he's got five loaves and two fish. It's interesting. Five is the number of grace and two is the number of bearing witness. All we need to do is 
is just come together in the partnership with God. Because how many know that God used the disciples to distribute this food? And we co-labor with him. And seven is the number of completion. He had enough to feed the 5,000 plus. And God has a whole new way of doing things. We're going to see church completely revolutionized. I mean, that's why we worship for an hour. That's why there's, there's no restriction. That's why we just, we get lost in his presence. Because God, and, and mark this, I'm telling you, mark the date down. We're going to start seeing services where it's just worship. Or we come in and it's just prayer. And we won't be able to fill, we won't be able to, you know, there's going to be lines outside the door because they're going to want to get healed. They want to come in and get touched. Papa's got a brand new bag and we need to allow him to give us that new wineskin of what he wants to do. And one of the areas is releasing a powerful spirit of generosity to break the spirit of poverty over Henderson and Las Vegas. How many know the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous? I know there's a lot of money in these casinos, but we're, we're going to see a turning. And I'm telling you, we're going to see that go into the church's hands and advance the kingdom of God. I believe that with all my heart. We're doing a building fund. In this context, they're talking about building God's house. Now, the, the building that we're doing is not the church. We are the church. The building is not the kingdom. But we have tools as we advance the kingdom and the church has tools as we advance the kingdom. Amen. I was in here the other day fixing some things. I know that's a surprise to some of you. I can change light bulbs, but um, I was in here fixing some things and I couldn't find a screwdriver. Just, I mean, come on, who doesn't have a screwdriver? So I had to go and buy a little toolkit to keep here at the church. And someone else was listening to the Holy spirit and miss Cammy Lewis bought a toolkit for the church. And I said, I already got one, but now we have two praise the Lord. And, and I'm fixing something, but, you know, thank God for good tools. And, and I, here, here's what I want to emphasize is that even with the building fund, that God has a whole new way of doing things. What if God brought in the finances where we had no debt on that property? Not only are we getting an amazing deal, whatever, we're, whatever it takes to finish it is what we're getting it for, but how awesome would it be if Papa got a brand new bag, we just pay that thing off, and we have no debt on it. There's no restraint. And our money's going into the community. Our money's paying our staff well. Hallelujah. I want to I give raises to our staff. I'm serious. I want to bring people on full time. We need, we need listen, we, it's, it takes a lot of work to, to host gatherings and to do this stuff. It takes a lot more than people realize. But I want to encourage you that the focus in here, it was get your eyes off your own house and get it on the house of the Lord. And the people were saying, listen, you know, yeah, I know, I know that we're supposed to be doing this, but, but it's not time to build the house of the Lord. And God's saying, it is time to build the house of the Lord, which is my kingdom. So get your eyes off yourself and get your eyes on the kingdom and realize you have something to give and God is going to take your resources financially, spiritually, emotionally as you deposit it in His hands. How many know God can do a lot more with your 90% than your 100%? Hello? Did that make sense? Did it kind of? Yeah. God can do a lot more with, with the 90% you have after you give of your tithe the 90 plus percent or whatever, you know, you give your tithe and your offering, then you can do with all of your 100%. God is looking for us to give him resources, not just financially, but our life. And I I believe you have to get the revelation. You have something to give. I was thinking about Peter and um, man, there's something about the life of Peter. He was such an awesome 
crazy fisherman. I, I want to meet him. I want to hang out with him, and I want to talk to him. I want him to teach me how to fish in heaven, and uh, I want to eat fish with him someday. Someday I will eat fish with St. Peter. Glory to God. But there's something about the life of Peter that, you know, he was such a failure. He had a revelation of who Jesus was. And then look in Matthew, where in Matthew 16, he's like, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then a couple chapters later, Jesus is like, Satan, get behind me. And then he denies the Lord. How many feel like they have failed and they are flawed like Peter? He was the one that was not educated according. I mean, you know, you, you, if you look at Hebrew history and the way it works is, a rabbi would choose a student at a young age, at about 14 or 15. Peter was already in business. Peter was already working. He already had a career. He was at past, most likely he was past the point of being chosen. How many of you ever feel like you're past the point of being chosen? I have nothing to give. I'm here to encourage you, you have something to give. And Peter was a failure. And then God used him to stand up and speak and preach the gospel. And 3,000 people are saved in a day in Acts chapter 2. And then in Acts chapter 3, he's walking in the temple. And there's a, there's a lame man begging for money. And Peter says, I don't have money to give you because you don't need money. You need deliverance. Amen? We don't just give to the poor. We liberate the poor. When we give to the poor, we lend to the Lord. And it's like feeding them bread. But it must lead them to the bread from heaven. And Peter says, I don't have money to give you, but what I have, I give to you. Peter had something to give. God's resources. I want to read from you, uh, read for you in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 real quick. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous, generous crop. I'm going to go down to verse 10. For God is the one who gives seed to the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, he will give you many opportunities to do good. Not just financially, but in every area of your life, God wants to give you opportunities to do good. What does that mean? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Acts 10.38, and he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil, empowered by God with the Holy Spirit and power to bring generosity and life and love wherever he went. It says you will have many opportunities. How many believe we are in an oppor- a season of opportunity as a church to do good in our city? I'm telling you, we are living in the greatest history the church has ever seen. We are living in the greatest time. Jesus even said it in his day. He said the prophets long to see this day. They cried out for this stuff. They, Isaiah prayed, oh, Lord, open the heavens and come down. Well, I have news for you. His prayer was answered in Jesus, and we are here now, and we don't need to pray open the heavens. The heavens are open, and he's here. We're living in a great... We have opportunities in front of us. We have opportunities in our city. Las Vegas, Henderson is already known for revival. Did you know, churchgoers, those that are part of our church, did you know that this church is actually known for a move of God in this city? People have told me this. People have said, you don't understand. People are talking about your church and how God is moving. That encourages me because we prophesied that when it was two of us in a room crying out for a move of God, thinking that, that that's what God wanted us to do. But really, he was just getting us to position our hearts to be a move of God. And so it says here, he'll give you many opportunities to do good. He will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. God is wanting to release the spirit 
of generosity in us. Here's how it comes out. Here's how it's going to happen. In chapter uh, 6 of John, verse 5, it says this, Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said, Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Man, that word test. There's something about going through trials. There's something about a test. But how many know that at, at the end of the day, when we finish strong, we are stronger than we were than when we started the test. There's something about a test that helps us understand our direction and what we're made of. And there's this shaking that happens and God shakes the things that can be shaken in our life. And it's good. Pruning is good. It hurts, but it's good. We've got to learn to mature in love. You know, the only way you can mature in love is by loving someone and them stab you in the back. It happened to Jesus. He had washed all the disciples' feet and one of them named Judas walked out the door and betrayed him. And immediately Jesus says, guess what, guys? Judas is a punk. We need to pray for salvation. That's not what he said. That's what I would say. (laughs) He said, guess what, guys? They're going to know that you're my disciples by how much you love each other. So don't let this hurt you. Let it make you grow. Oh, the spirit of generosity. Why does it? God just loves and he 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 he keeps on loving. I'm so glad I'm not in the old covenant because when God would get ticked off, thank God for the new covenant. Amen. We're saved from that wrath in this new covenant. Because, man, sometimes I want to beat my kids, but there's something about just the mercy of God. Not literally beat them. Don't think I'm a child abuser. I don't hit them. I raise my voice at them, and I let Rochelle do it because she's grumpy. Amen. I'm just kidding. No, she's on a diet, and this is what I want to talk about now is how Jesus, he lifted up his eyes, and he saw the multitude coming. And, he, and he, he saw that they were hungry. He says, we need to feed them. Do you know what it is to be hungry? I, I want to know what it is to be I don't think I know what it is to be hungry. I think my wife, she's been on this crazy diet, 500 calories a day. And I'm watching her hardly eat anything. And it makes me want to eat for four. Because I think we're in some kind of famine. And I'm trying to load up for the family. or so. I don't know what I'm thinking. It's some weird psychological thing. But... And then, you know, she's a little grumpy, but we just love her. I told first service when she gets grumpy, me and the kids will surround her and just start praying, Lord, touch her with your love. And then she just melts. No, actually, we don't do that. We leave the house. We run. We're like, all right, we love you, honey. We're going to go fishing. Praise the Lord. What does it mean to be hungry? Because here's what happens. Here's how the spirit of generosity is awakened in us. We see the multitudes that are hungry. And we say, I have something to give. I have something to give. What I have, I give to you. And this young man says, I got five loaves and I got two fish. And he puts it in the hands of Jesus who can multiply it. But I wonder if, and I think about our church. I remember when we planted the church, it was like, how are we going to do this? I I don't know how we're going to do this, but um, let's just do this. And I think that we began to get compassion for just one. And I think we just got a tiny, just a a drop, just a drop of compassion. Not much. But look at the fruit of of what God can do with just people that are hungry for him. But I want to see people that are hungry. And I want to begin to be used by God to feed them the bread of life. 
I mean, when Jesus was in the garden and he's saying, not my will, but yours be done, and he's sweating drops of blood, I wonder if he saw, I wonder if he saw all the oppressed people, all the hurting people, and he said, I'll do this, Father. I wonder if God would just give us, listen, the harvest is ripe, saints. We don't need to pray for the lost to get saved. We need to pray that we would awaken to the harvest and see that it's ripe. You know, when Jesus even said in Matthew 9, it says that, He saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. In the next verse of chapter 10, he answered his own prayer and he sent out his disciples. So I don't believe that prayer, pray for laborers, is as as valid as we think because if we pray for laborers, when we open our eyes from the prayer and we look to the person next to us, there's the answer. Or we look in the mirror, there's the answer. There's hungry people out there. So God, awaken me to the harvest. Don't... I don't want to just get focused on let's intercede for the lost. The lost is ripe. We need to intercede and we need to break the, the spirit of pharmacia over the city. And we need to just buy the stuff that's already bound. We just, we, we release life and we declare freedom over people. But the harvest is ripe. And there's something about this verse in chapter 5. He lifted up his eyes. God, lift up my eyes so that I can see the hunger of the people. And not only that, but lift up my eyes so that I can see that I have something to give. It was a young man. It's like this whole generation. The the young people that come on, revolution. Do you realize what you have? You have something to give. Whether you're old or young, God wants to take the resources of life on the inside of you, multiply it into an explosion of love and generosity to humanity. And I, I, this part right here where it says he was tested, that part just hit me. And I was preparing for this message and I was just thinking about, man, I don't like tests. I love testimonies, but I don't like the test part of the money. Amen? Monies are great. I love monies. Alimony, matrimony. But what alimony? What's alimony? Matrimony. Whatever monies there are out there. There's all kind of monies out there. But I don't like tests, the test part of the money. I don't, the testing, how many are with me? Man, who wants to go through a test? Like you'll go through the fire, but it won't scorch you. Well, I don't want to go through the fire, Lord. He says, you got to to get stronger. (laughs) You've got to to get stronger. That's where God can temper you. And he tested him, but God had another plan. And so in verse nine, we see the young man, he had something to give. And in verse 10, lastly, I want to share with you is you need to learn to trust the voice of the shepherd. Jesus said this in verse 10, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in this place. So the men sat down in number of about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them into the disciples. And it says in the disciples to those sitting down and likewise the fish as much as they wanted. You know, um, orphans and foster kids, they might not be used to abundance. And uh, when it comes down to sitting at daddy's table or at the table, they will hoard the food. Can you imagine if, if, if this kid said, no, this is my loaves and fish. What am I going to eat? And there's something about that hoarding mentality that comes from the orphan heart that sometimes we carry. But when we realize we're sons and daughters that I have, I was thinking about this, and in Psalm 51... God's spirit is generous, so the spirit of generosity is is inside me. I have, every believer has the spirit of generosity. 
So I want to walk in this. And I don't want to hoard and think, well, no, this is mine. No, this is mine. My wife was reprimanding one of our kids recently. Sometimes my son, David, he's so awesome. I love that kid. Sometimes he eats like a horse, though. That kid will just start shoveling pizza in his face, and he's got sauce. He's like, Dad, can I go outside and play? He's got sauce all over his mouth. <laughs> one time recently, he was grubbing down, and, and Mama says, don't, don't be greedy, honey. Eat slow. Don't be greedy. And I just I was thinking about it. I'm like, do I need to correct my wife on that? No, that's not what I was thinking. I was thinking, like, it's true. Like, sometimes we just get stingy and we hoard, and that's an orphan heart. God, I want to learn. I'm a son. I want to give. I'm, I'm a, I'm, I have the life giver living on the one who spoke the universe and the universe is still expanding from the one word, thousands and ten thousand, however long ago it was. He said, let there be light. And it's still expanding. There's still generosity. There's still expansion of life in the universe because of one word from God. And what I'm praying is that we learn to trust the voice of the shepherd in the middle of the desert, in the middle of the wilderness. How many ever feel like they're in a wilderness and they're in a test? It says that there was a bunch of grass out there. Praise the Lord for green grass in the midst of the desert. I felt like I needed to prophetically declare Psalm 23 over you and just declare the voice of the shepherd over you to encourage some of you. Some of you are burdened and you felt like quitting. And some of you feel like I have nothing to give. But the Lord wants you to understand who you are so that you can give and he can multiply it and explode his love through you. I want you to close your eyes with me if you would as we pray. And I want to tell you a brief story. I want to read Psalm 23 to you right now. And I want to encourage you. Everyone knows this psalm. Everyone knows, is it a a psalm that people read at a funeral? Well, if if today is a funeral, we are killing the spirit of poverty and the spirit of lack. And we're declaring the Lord is our shepherd and there is no lack. God doesn't want to just meet your needs. He wants to give you more than enough so you could share it. Amen. Close your eyes with me and let me read this to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not. Lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's with you, saints. He's with you. Though I walk through, the valley of the shadow of death. You are with me. Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Keep your eyes closed and let me, let me just minister to you. This week, my wife and I had the honor of going and praying with one of our dear brothers that's He's an older man and he's struggling physically and he's been in the hospital for many weeks. And this is a dear brother that I look back at when we planted the church almost three years ago, there was only uh, two or three men that were behind us. We just had a handful of people, a dozen or so. And this man wasn't just an ordinary man. He, he, he isn't just an ordinary man. He is a warrior 
He is so strong. And he always had something to encourage me with. He always let me know that he was behind me. And, and so this man means a lot to, to my wife and I and their family. And, uh, and so we go to the hospital to visit him. He's been in and out of the hospital. He's been to the point where he can barely speak. He has hardly any strength. And there's all kinds of stuff going on in his body. So we go and we, we just speak life. And we just speak blessings. And he, and he wakes up and he looks at us and his eyes lit up. And he's like, oh, Pastor, good to see you. That's my Hispanic accent there. And he says, Pastor. And, and he just begins, we're just, you know, loving on him. And then he goes back to sleep. They'd give him some pain medicine. We went downstairs for a little bit with the family and then came back up to say goodbye um, because we had to leave. We had an appointment. And, and so we're, we're saying goodbye. And he wakes up. And, and here's what I want you to realize is that in the midst of this man, he is literally like the doctors say he might die. You know, he was going through this. And, and he, in the midst of that, he wakes up, looks at me, and he grabs my hand thinking he's going to receive my prayers to him. And he starts praying for me. And I mean, if you had been there, your jaw would have dropped. Tears would have fallen down your face. I'm telling you, Rochelle and I were like, what a warrior. What an awesome man of God. This is a man that I, I he's just, I know he's with us. The family was telling me, he was, they were telling me before that, they said, you know, he loves you so much, Zach. He, he tells you, don't talk about my pastor. He's the anointed man of God. Nobody touch him. And I asked the family, I said, is someone talking about me? They said, no, he just says that. But what a spirit of giving and generosity. This man is in the hospital with no strength. He could, you could barely understand his prayer. And he says, oh, Lord, I just pray you bless my pastor, Lord. I just pray that you, and I was just overwhelmed. That's the spirit of God on the inside of him. To our dying breath. We bless to our dying breath. We give to our dying breath. We live to see people touched by the love of God. That's what I was made for. I was made to go from the inner cities to the outer nations and see an explosion of the love and grace of God. We have a generous spirit. This awesome man of God, he got a call the day after. Oh, he's doing better. Best report we heard in weeks. Got a call the next day. They transferred him to a rehab center. It's in St. Rose, Donald Madrid. Awesome man of God. He sat up for the first time in weeks and he fed himself. He's getting better. Praise the Lord. But what a generous spirit. That's the spirit of God living on the inside of you, saints. Do you realize what you have to give? I was thinking about this as Chris is leading worship and as our worship culture pastor. Do you realize what you're doing in this community, Chris? You realize everything that God has done in your life and he prepared you for this city. He prepared you for this. You and your wife and, and Doug and Autumn. I mean, we were made for this. I was made for revival. I was made to see an explosion of love. I'm so excited about what God is about to do, but let us, let our eyes be open to the harvest. Let us awaken that we have something to give and let us hear the voice of the shepherd. I want you to close your eyes with me and I want 
some worship on. We're going to pray for some of you, and I want to dismiss you, church. Those of you that that you just you want this in your life, and maybe you're maybe you're one of the ones. I think there's many here, but maybe you're one of the ones that you're, that testing is just oh, it hurts, it hurts. You're bearing a burden. We want to bless you. We want to encourage you. Maybe there's some people here that just feel like you know what I, I I've had my eyes on myself and I'm ready to start giving and I'm gonna I want to get rid of this orphan mentality. Because the orphan mentality, the spirit of poverty is just an orphan mentality. That's all it is. Focus on lack. So, Lord, we just come and want to break that spirit over this region and over every mind, every heart, every life. I want to do this, saints. If you just need prayer and you feel like you're just weighed down with the testing, the trial, and you want him to lead you beside still waters, and you're hearing the voice of the shepherd, I believe that there's a couple marriages in here that the Lord is speaking to you. And he's, he's saying you need to follow the voice of the shepherd. And he wants to bring your marriage into a place of abundance, to a place of healing and restoration, and to a place of peace. So hear the voice of the shepherd. Families, saints, sons, daughters, the altar's open. We want to pray for you. Come quickly up here. And then we're going to dismiss everyone else. But we want to give you a chance to receive prayer from some of our team and myself. So the altars are open and you come. The Lord's drawing you and he's speaking to you right now. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for pouring out life. For pouring out life when we desperately need it. Amen. Amen. There's more. Come on, just come. Just come. Lord, we're we're about ready to release grace. We're going to just release blessings. We're going to release the fire of God. Thank you, Father. There may be some more. Just come. I want I want you, if you would, saints, can we just stand together? Those that can, just stand together and begin to pray in the Spirit. Just begin to pray in the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's more. There's, there's a family here. I feel like there's a family here that just, you're like, man, I need I need the shepherd. I need to, I need him to lead me beside still waters. I'm going through the valley, but I want to encourage you that, that fruit grows in the valley because that's where the water flows down to. Some of you here, I'm being pruned right now and it hurts. Just embrace it. I'm telling you, God is about to release an explosion of his love. He's just preparing you for the harvest so that you can handle it and so that you can also share and you can bless everyone around you. Some of you are still in a place where you need to be discipled, but you're going to begin to step into discipleship because the harvest is so plentiful. We will not have room in our new building after 12 months to, 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 to disciple the lost souls. So, Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do.